The earth turns. But we don't feel it move. And one night you look up. One spark. And the sky is on fire. The past is the torch that lights our way. Where our fathers have shown us the path, we shall follow. Our faith is the weapon most feared by our enemies. For thereby shall we lift our people up against those who would destroy us. For with great numbers must come great strength and the salvation of our people. Everybody, this is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. I open up that with that scene from uh, Gangs in New York, which uh, illustrates a uh, a time in the 1860s in New York in the Five Points, which uh, I haven't quite figured out exactly if that's if that's like uh, I think it's would be like where Wall Street is today. Um, I don't think it's Times Square. I think it's about where Wall Street is. And uh, from the many times that Don and I have gone to uh, New York, and uh, in a times when uh, when the country was starting, and um, you know one spark and the sky's on fire, and it's kind of what's going on now, except in a different light, and it, it's a it's a whole different it's a whole different whole different feeling as you'll hear from everything we talk about today. And uh, then I played uh, Made in America by Toby Keith. Toby Keith put on an awesome show at the Toyota Arena, formerly known as the Citizens Bank Arena in Ontario last last weekend. And for those of you that were there, and I, I ran into a whole bunch of people I knew knew there. Didn't even know you guys were country, but you know you don't have to be country to love a, T- a Toby Keith show. What a what a patriotic show! Uh, I wish I could repeat the last words he said on stage. Don't apologize for being patriotic. And then he said uh, two other words, and uh, what a fantastic show! And uh, you know, it's uh, it's just a different America. We're going in a different direction than what I would than what I would uh, hope for, and I hope that we can turn this around. I hope that I'm not the only one talking, because our kids aren't being exposed to the same stuff that we were as kids. And uh, I'll illustrate that more as we go along. But before I go any further, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are fantastic opportunities right now due to the uh, low, low, low interest rates, um, and you need financing, and if you hear somebody on the radio that thinks like you, because that's really the secret to, to who's the best guy to go for financing, well, you know what? 
go to someone who thinks like you that will lead you to the to the decision that's best for you. Call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get some information but you don't want to talk on the phone, go to edhoffman.net, click on the Summit Funding logo. That'll take you to my lending page, and you can put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Alex Rojas, Aaron Fredericks, Cody Bradbury, or Brian Goodman, and you'll hear uh, we'll help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. If you want some part of this uh, show repeated, or you want to share it, or you want didn't get to hear the whole thing, or you just don't want to hear it, the same time we're, uh, that I'm on the radio, you can get the podcast on edhoffman.net. Click on edhoffman.net. Go to the podcast page, and you can hear this show as well, as well as several past shows. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes where you can subscribe for free and uh, have it download to your uh, to your uh, your phone or your computer or your iPad, your iPod, your mini pad, your maxi pad, your computer, anything that you listen to uh, podcasts on, which seems to be the uh, the new uh, growing media choice of younger people and some of us older people as well, especially people that travel because they can't get radio stations everywhere and uh, or they can't. You can always get podcasts wherever there's a a uh, wherever there's an internet connection. Um, let me see. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, where I tweet about current events all week long. And uh, the Facebook page for the show is facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. Um, if you have an opinion on uh, anything I talk about on the show, send an email to ed at edhoffman.net. Ed, E-D, at edhoffman.net. E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N dot net. Um, listener hotline still not down. Probably could fix it in a uh, quick minute if I had a quick minute, but the phones are ringing off the hook, so that's a good thing. I'm not going to complain. Some people don't have anything to do. Uh, I'm not. I'm not that uh, in that situation. So let's talk about the thing that everybody's talking about this week. That would be the uh, James Comey in- Inspector General report. It's been a long three years, but finally, former FBI Director James Comey got what's coming to him, or at least uh, everybody except for him thinks so. A scathing report by the Justice Department's official watchdog Inspector General's office, led by Michael Horowitz, was released on Thursday. It said Comey violated bureau, uh, bureau policies by drafting, leaking, and retaining memos documenting his private discussions with the president uh, in 2017. The 83-page document outlined a series of violations committed by Comey, including that he broke FBI policy policies and bureau bureau's employment agreement quote by providing one of the unclassified memos that contained official FBI information including sensitive investigative information to his friend with instructions for the friend to share the contents of the memo with a reporter you remember that friend was his personal lawyer Daniel Richmond uh, who leaked the memo to the New York Times per Comey's request this uh this was the memo where Comey wrote about his private dinner with president where the so-called loyalty pledge took place. So he had this uh dinner with President Trump. He went home uh before he before he f- forgot about any of the the little details and anything he felt. He uh, made his little diary out and uh made his made his notes. The report revealed that Comey kept four of the memos inside 
a locked safe in his home until he sent them to Richmond and his other lawyers, and the FBI eventually deleted the memos from the computer systems. The IG report concluded that the memos were FBI property, not Comey's. It noted that FBI that Comey failed to return them to the FBI after he was fired, and that by failing to alert the FBI once he learned one of the memos contained uh, sections later deemed classified at the confidential level, he set a dangerous example for over 35,000 current FBI employees and many thousands more former FBI employees who simil- similarly have access to or knowledge of non-public information. So, you know, all these people that have worked for the FBI over the years and they know, and they know stuff, they know they're not supposed to repeat that they know that that they know, you know, your uh their trade secrets, their their uh private stuff, they they violate the privacy act, they violate their their uh their um oaths, their oaths, their attorney-client privileges, any of that stuff. They know they're not supposed to say anything, but now Comey, the head of the FBI is going out there and leaking stuff to the press. And they're saying, hmm, if it's good for Comey, why isn't it good for me? Remember back in June 2017 when Comey played dumb with the Congress by saying the he thought the memos were his personal property? I understood this to be my recollection recorded of my conversation with the president. As a private citizen, I felt free to share that. I thought it very important to get it out. Very important to get it out. My, my memories as a private citizen. Except for he didn't have those memories as a private citizen. He his his memories were of a experience he had while he was the head of the FBI. Somehow Comey actually managed to spin the IG report as some kind of vindication in his favor. Here's what he tweeted Thursday, and I think he did this quite early, so I don't maybe he didn't have a chance to uh maybe he had pre written this. D O J I G, that's Department of Justice Inspector General, quote found no evidence that Comey or his attorneys released any of the classified information contained in any of the memos to members of the media. Well, of course he didn't. He gave it to his lawyer and told him them to do it. I don't need a public apology from those who defame me, but a quick message with, sorry, we lied about you would be nice. And to all those who spent two years talking about me going to jail or being a liar and leaker, ask yourselves, why you still why you still trust people who gave you bad info for so long, including the president. And let's not forget the other telltale signs of Comey's political agenda. Remember he when he admitted to George Stephanopoulos that he purposely withheld from the president that the phony steel dossier was originated and paid for by the attorney for the Democrat National Committee and Clinton campaign. Did you tell him that the steel dossier had been financed by his political opponents? No, I didn't. I didn't even think I used the term steel dossier. I just talked about additional material. Did, but did he have a right to know that? That had been financed by his political opponents? I don't know the answer to that. It wasn't necessary for my goal, which was to alert him that we had this information. It wasn't. It wasn't necessary for his goal, but was it necessary for him to know that? Was it, you know, being non-biased, which the FBI is supposed to be non-biased, like police officers are supposed to be non-biased, like uh, judges and juries are supposed to be non-biased. You know, for they're not supposed to have goals. They're supposed to have responsibilities. So, hey, my responsibility is to make sure that everybody's informed. It's kind of like, uh, what do they call it, discovery in a, in a, in a trial? It's called disclosure. He has to show you everything. Otherwise, it could be a mistrial. He has to give you a list of all his witnesses. You can talk to all his witnesses. 
He's not allowed any surprises. They have responsibilities to inform people, to inform the people who need to be informed of what's going on, especially when it's the president of the United States. Well, you know, it wasn't necessary for for my for my uh, my purposes, my purposes, and from what and from what we hear, from what we hear as uh, as the as the night went on and the day went on since since that happened, uh, it appears that some of the uh, IG report had mentioned that one of the some of the witnesses said that they had discussed before Comey's meeting with Trump that. Um, you know, in, in disclosing this to the president, what his possible, um, reactions might be and that he might incriminate himself. So this was, this was actually entrapment. They were, they, he was trying to, to set, to spring this on president Trump and hoping for a specific, a specific reaction that they could use against him, which would be called entrapment. So, uh, and the same interview with Comey. Uh, that Com- which Comey did to plug his book, he made sure to slander the president with suggestion that he believed the dossier could be true. Honestly, never thought these words would come out of my mouth, but I don't know whether the, the current president of the United States was with prostitutes peeing on each other in Moscow in 2013. It's possible, but I don't know. Well, you know, it, it's possible. Does that does that mean like like uh, it's possible like like it's possible that. It, it could be true. Is that like, well, I didn't actually, I wasn't able to exonerate the president. Like Mueller said, I wasn't able to, I wasn't able to completely exonerate. I didn't find anything that incriminated him, but I wasn't actually able to exonerate him either. Well, that's not your job to exonerate him because in America you're innocent until proven guilty. So, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I can't say that it wasn't true either. Cause I don't know. I don't know. He might've gone uh, to Russia and had uh, prostitutes and did all some kind of kinky thing things. Yeah. So, Hey, Comey, you could be, you could be homosexual and uh, have all kinds of weird stuff going on. Uh, and you know, you could be wearing uh pantyhose and doing crazy stuff in the, in the FBI uh, headquarters too. We don't know for sure, but see what, see what the thing is. Once you say it, once you say it, you can't take it back. And that is quite, quite frankly, the the uh, modus operandi of the Democrat Party right now. They just say stuff on TV. You know, the de- the the Republicans don't own the media. The Democrats do. So just say stupid stuff on there, whether you know it to be true or not, and uh, and just get this stuff out there, and then see where it goes. See where it goes from there. So it's uh, and the here and here's the here's the thing that that I don't understand. That uh, they said, hey, here's the stuff that that Comey did, but we're not going to prosecute. Well, maybe they don't have enough evidence, or maybe they do have enough evidence, but for some reason, the Department of Justice isn't going to prosecute. Kind of like, um, kind of like we knew that Lois Lerner and the IRS, um, were were not unbiased, and they targeted conservative groups. And uh, and wouldn't give out um, 501c3, 501c4, you know, nonprofit uh, approvals for any kind of uh, organizations that had constitution in them or any kind of conservative message. And um, and they proved that, but they gave a they gave a Lois Lerner a pass. They didn't prosecute. They didn't hold her accountable for it. Uh, we're you know we're we found out that this is true, but we're not going to prosecute. 
kind of like uh, we're not going to uh, we're not going to uh, do anything with Hillary Clinton. You know, when Comey came out on uh, July fifth, two thousand sixteen, and and went through her whole the whole case against Hillary Clinton. Well, she did this and she did that. She wasn't supposed to do this. She wasn't supposed to do that. Laid it all out and then said, well. But, uh, you know, in consideration of everything that we have, she was, uh, we can say that she was extremely careless. She, 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 she demonstrated extreme carelessness, which is the same as, uh, gross negligence, but gross negligence is, is a crime. Extreme carelessness is not. So let's just call it extreme carelessness because we're going to say no, no competent prosecutor would prosecute this case. He forgot to add in against Hillary Clinton. Because if it was me that did it, I'd be in jail. If it was you that did it, you'd be in jail. If it was if it was President Trump that did it, he'd be in jail. Anybody else would have done it, they'd be in jail. Amazing. Amazing to me. Kind of a kind of like the uh the gaffes that everybody's talking about that uh, Joe Biden did this week, talking about the crazy story the story about the guy who was uh, in the, uh, I think, supposedly in Vietnam, and went down the into the uh, into the gully and picked up some guy that he's carrying him out of the out of the out of harm's way, and he's going through. Uh, he's under fire while he's doing that, and then he tried to pin a silver star on him, and he said, "No, I don't want it." And the whole story is is BS. None of the none of the details are true, and they're going. He's going, "Hey, man, I'm talking about courage and." You know how courageous these guys are. What's wrong? What do you mean what's wrong? If if Trump had told a story like that that was just completely made up, whether it was a story of the courageousness and the courage of of uh and the bravery of our of our military guys or not, you think the media would give him a pass on that? No way. No way. And if you didn't see uh Joey Jones Joey Jones on, uh, I don't know, whatever the morning show is on Fox the other day. Uh, I can't have Joey Jones on the on the radio anymore because apparently he's a, signed an exclusive with Fox now. But I do talk to him on the phone occasionally. And uh, I've, he, he made a comment on, uh, on the America's Newsroom or something uh, on Wednesday. And he, he made a comment. He goes, hey, I voted for Trump. I will probably vote for him again. I like his policies. I like I like what he's doing. And uh, you know, he looks at all the all the tools in his toolbox and when he's he sees, hey, if I can do it without military I can do this economically rather than military, he makes a decision that way, as opposed to and he was talking about James Mattis. James Mattis is a military guy, he wants to fight. And uh and sometimes they have a disagreement. But Trump's using all the tools in his toolbox that he has and I would just I just like that because last time one of the last times Joey Jones was was on my was on my show live, um, he didn't come across as a big Trump supporter. He's very strong conservative, but I don't really think he had had uh, much uh, faith in in Trump actually being conservative. He was just acting conservative, and I think it surprised the hell out of a lot of people, uh, including uh, Ben Shapiro and uh, Michael Medved and. Uh, Joey Jones and a handful of other handful, probably a gazillion other people. Um, so anyway, I'm happy. I'm happy. I supported him. So let's talk about uh, the, the apology tour that everybody's having specifically MSNBC this week. 
Um, I hope I can get through this all in the first half. Um, so MS, MSNBC obviously had a bad week. Uh, just one of their hosts, not one of their hosts, but two. Over Tuesday and Wednesday, both Lawrence O'Donnell and Rachel Maddow were forced to issue two embarrassing corrections and one big fat apology. Here's one you may have heard about Lawrence O'Donnell's so-called bombshell about Trump's tax returns showing a Russia connection, a story that he brazenly admitted came from one anonymous, unverified source claiming to have access to Trump's loan documents at Deutsche Bank. This is a single source okay. uh, who has told me that the Deutsche Bank obtained tax returns, which they do have, of Donald Trump's, show that the president pays very little income tax. Mm. This single source close to Deutsche Bank has told me that the Trump, Donald Trump's loan documents there show that he has co-signers. That's how he was able to obtain those loans. And that the co-signers are Russian oligarchs. What? Really? That would explain, it seems to me, every kind word Donald Trump has ever said about Russia and Vladimir Putin, if true. And I stress the if true. Well, you know, uh, apparently if you say if true, that gives you, that gives you, it's kind of like saying with all due respect. If you say with all due respect, you can insult somebody and it doesn't, and it doesn't count. So, uh, but this, this information seems to, to uh, conflict with what Rachel Maddow's big bombshell was about a year ago. What I have here uh, is a copy of Donald Trump's tax returns. We have his federal tax return for one year, for 2005. Um, and in terms of what's on here, let me give you the basics. Um, aside from the numbers being large, uh, these pages are straightforward. He paid uh, $38 million, looks like $38 million in taxes. Uh, he took a big write-down of $103 million. More on that later. Uh, if you add up the lines for income, he made more than $150 million in that year. Mazel tov. So apparently she's Jewish. Uh, for those of you that aren't Jewish and don't know what mazel tov means, that means congratulations. So um, so uh, apparently, apparently, hey, you know what? Donald Trump doesn't pay any taxes. $38 million in one year. That's not too bad. And if you do the calculations, let's see. Thirty-eight million into one hundred and fifty million, and that sounds like about thirty uh, percent. Um, in my the way I calculate, about thirty percent ish. Um, that's uh, that's not that's not too bad. Thirty-eight million dollars in taxes. Um, but it took about two hours for O'Donnell to issue a first apology on Twitter, which means he got spanked by NBC. He did official, the official retraction the next night on Wednesday. Last night on this show, I discussed information that wasn't ready for reporting. I repeated statements a single source told me about the president's finances and loan documents with Deutsche Bank, saying, if true, as I discussed the information, was simply not good enough. I did not go through the rigorous verification and standards process here at MSNBC before repeating what I heard from my source. Had it gone through that process, I would not have been permitted to report it. I should not have said it on air or posted it on Twitter. I was wrong to do so. This afternoon, attorneys for the president sent us a letter asserting the story is false. They also demanded a retraction. Tonight, we are retracting the story. We don't know whether the information is inaccurate, but the fact is we do know it wasn't ready for broadcast. And for that, I apologize. 
again, we don't know if it was inaccurate, which means we cannot exonerate, which means we don't know what exactly it is. We might have been true. Kind of like that right there with, uh, you know, it's, it's just like this. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. Hey, you know what? I am all out of time for this uh, this half of the main event. I'm going to come back and finish more apologies and the rest of the crazy stuff that's going on in this country. So uh, don't go away. i got five minutes of uh, weather, traffic, sports, and commercials. I'll be right back with part two. Don't go away. And welcome back to the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman. I don't talk a lot about uh, real estate or finance on this show. But I have to say, I have to say, interest rates are down. Interest rates are down. If if you haven't heard, if you haven't heard, if you you own real estate or want to own real estate, and uh, if you want to refinance or you want to finance, the lower rates give you a better uh, better financing. So uh, if you could qualify for a house that was three hundred with the lower a year ago, last uh, this year you might be up uh, to uh, three fifty, and uh, so that might help. And if you have a if you have a house that you had a that you financed the last couple of years, interest rates are are lo- about as low as they were in two thousand seventeen. So uh, so if you, so if you bought a house with with uh, and you had mortgage insurance, you might be able to refinance and get rid of that mortgage insurance. You might be able to lower your bills, maybe pay off some of those bills you ran up furnishing that house. Uh, if you're if you're if you're curious, call me toll free at eight five five six four zero twenty twenty eight five five six four zero twenty twenty, or go to edhoffman.net, click on the Summit Funding logo, and that'll take you to my lending page, and we can talk through cyberspace. Um, also, if you're uh, over uh, if you're over 62, just so you know how these reverse mortgage things work. Reverse mortgages are exactly like regular mortgages, except for you know there are liens on your houses. They accrue interest. The only difference is you get a statement once a month. You don't have to pay it if you don't want to. So instead of sticking that money into paying your mortgage and building up a little bit more equity in your house, it's little by little. You can stick that money in your bank account and build up that same equity in your bank account. So uh, when you need it and you don't have the and you don't have income to qualify for for the refinance, you can just take it out of your bank when you need it. Anyway, 855-640-2020 or edhoffman.net. <clears throat> Click on the uh Summit Funding logo. Do it on cyberspace. Hey, so uh first half we were talking about, well, before we left, we we're talking about a lot of stuff, but before but when we were finishing, we were talking about the apologies on MSNBC, Lawrence O'Donnell and Rachel Maddow. What they're going through, apparently, uh, Lawrence O'Donnell found a uh, had somebody at Deutsche Bank, some unnamed, unnamed, unsourced, unverified information say that uh, Trump had a co-signer who were uh, Russian oligarchs on some loan, and that he doesn't he doesn't uh, pay very much in taxes, and a bunch of stuff that would violate the Privacy Act. And uh, quite frankly, if uh, they said, hey, Ed Hoffman from Summit Funding called and gave us this information, I'd be in jail. So uh, I'm not sure why no one else is in jail. 
quite frankly, I think uh, I don't know why Lawrence O'Donnell still has a job because it seems to me Dan rather lost his job for uh, for reporting some uh, unverified uh, unverified story uh, on uh, was Dan rather on CBS? I think he was CBS, CBS. So he was on CBS and uh, he reported something about George W. Bush uh, avoiding the avoiding. Um, Avoiding, he would win AWOL or something. He, he he mentioned some some crazy story about George Debbie that was uh, BS that he didn't have verified. And Dan Rather that was on the air for about I don't know 150 years, and he lost his job for that. Lawrence O'Donnell, I wonder I wonder what he's doing to somebody some of the executives at MSNBC. He didn't get fired. Let's say let's start some rumors. Let's say some stuff that are unverified. Well, it's unverified, but maybe he's having a Maybe he's having a homosexual affair with one of the executives at at uh, NBC that he didn't get fired for that. Uh, I don't know. I can't say he didn't, but it just seems curious that Dan Rather got fired and Lawrence O'Donnell didn't because Dan Rather was really a fixture in the news business. I just wonder about Lawrence O'Donnell. Anyway, I can't say he didn't do that. All right, and as if it wasn't bad enough about O'Donnell having to make two apologies during the same episode... Uh, second one was a correction on a hit piece. Oh, he had to do a second one on the same episode. The second one was a correction on a hit piece he did on President's 2020 campaign manager, uh, Brad Parscale. Uh, apparently, O'Donnell has been trying to prove that Parscale is stealing campaign funds with zero evidence and backed this claim by saying he had filed for bankruptcy. Only one little problem. And before we head to a break, one more note about last night's show and our coverage of the Daily Mail story about Brad Parscale. I incorrectly said Parscale had filed for bankruptcy. It was his father's company that had filed. Oops. What is Lawrence O'Donnell doing that he still has a job? Maybe no one else will go to work for MSNBC, or maybe there's something sexual going on. I don't know. I can't say there isn't. Anyway. I'm not trying to start rumors. I'm trying to just illustrate how stupid the left is because this is the stuff that they say. They say stuff, and then the next day they can retract it, and no one even knows because they've already spread all the rumors. Just say it. We'll say put something on the front page today, and tomorrow on page 16 on the little bottom left-hand corner, we'll put a little retraction. No one will even notice it. Of course, most people don't read a whole newspaper, so they don't get to... uh, to uh, page 16. So, and if you thought Rachel Maddow was off the hook and all this, again, think again, she uh, she may not have believed O'Donnell's Deutsche Bank story, but she made her own errors the same night as he did. Apparently, Maddow forgot the name of the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services Office, not ICE, but the agency that uh, oversees lawful immigration. I do have one correction to make uh, earlier in the show for a reason that I don't understand that is buried somewhere in my deep and aging brain. Uh, I kept referring to U.S. Customs and Immigration Services uh, when the correct name for that agency now is U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. I was just uh, conflating two different things and saying the name of that agency wrong because of what its name used to be back in the day. I apologize for having said that wrong. I will try to never do it again. Well, boo-hoo. You know, and as if this wasn't enough apologies for this week, um, Laura Spencer on a Good Morning America, I think that's Channel 7. Um, Good Morning America, was that David Hartman and uh, uh, somebody once, the lady that's uh, the place for mom, whatever her name is, the blonde-haired lady. 
um, or was that uh, Regis and Kathy Lee? One of those things. One of those morning coffee talk shows. So Laura Spencer uh, came out with this uh, on Good Morning America. She uh, she made this comment about uh, Prince William and Catherine's uh, son, Prince George. Prince William says George absolutely loves ballet. I have news for you, Prince William. We'll see how long that lasts. (laughs) Okay. I don't really see anything wrong with that. Okay. I'm not a ballet dancer. I've never been interested in ballet, watching it or doing it. It doesn't seem like a very manly man thing for me. Um, I know that it's it's probably physically very demanding, but it just isn't something that people uh, view as manly. Although Patrick Swayze was a ballet dancer before he he became an actor, and no one would think of uh, Patrick Swayze as not a manly guy. He's uh, always been a pretty tough guy in the movies, and uh, I did meet him one time, and uh, um, he's not a big guy. But, yeah, I I, I don't think it was a big deal. But apparently a bunch of ballet people put a bunch of Instagrams and Facebooks and Twitters little videos saying they were insulted by her, her remarks. So instead of just ignoring it and letting it go away, the next day she did this. I screwed up. I did. The comment I made about dance was insensitive. It was stupid. And I am deeply sorry. Well, I'm so glad you're sorry. Makes, makes, a, makes a big difference to me. Um, you know, I just, I just don't understand. Hey, you know what? Everybody has opinions, but nobody's allowed to say them anymore. What has America come to? The freedom of speech freedom of whatever there's no more freedom anymore because we're not allowed to we're not hey i say hey you have the freedom to be offended if you want and if you don't and if you and if you're offended by what i say turn the channel i don't even know what else to say to that no it's it's you know if 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 you're if you're offended by the american flag that flies over my and in front of my house or in front of my office uh do business with somebody else i'm sorry Okay, I'm proud of the country that we're in, that I grew up in, that I became that I became a uh, 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 a large financial success in over the last many years, and uh, and coming from, you know, Don and I were talking about Don, Don said something about going to the zoo, and she said she hadn't. She said something about having never been to the San Diego Zoo. I don't remember what something was on TV about San Diego Zoo. And I said, you never been to the San Diego Zoo? I said, she goes, when did you go? I said, I think when I was about five. And as I start thinking back, I start thinking back to it. I was about five. And I said, now that I think of it, I got lost at the San Diego Zoo. And I and security had to page my parents at San Diego Zoo. And then I go, yep, uh, I got lost. I'm looking at the monkeys or the monkeys or the gorillas or something in my my." My uh, two sisters and my brother and my mom and dad just kept going. Next thing you know, I'm wandering around by myself, little five-year-old kid or six years old or four years old, somewhere around that. And uh, the security people had to find my parents. And I'm going, you know what? Maybe they didn't care about me, you know, because I was the third kid. So my, my sister Renee was the oldest the oldest kid, so she's special. My brother Scott was the oldest boy, so, of course, he's special. And then I was just the third kid, and of course my sister Lori, she was the she was the baby, and you know the baby's always the 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 special one. I was the Jan Brady. I was the I was the middle person, you know. Oh, Lori's the 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 cutest one, and Renee's the biggest one, and Scott's the oldest boy, and nobody cares about me. 
Maybe I'm just got a chip on my shoulder because that one. Maybe I'm the black sheep of the sheep of the family. My parents never had any money. I didn't get to go to co- I had to pay my way to college. I didn't get to go on a scholarship like Renee did. You guys all think, well, you know, Ed's Ed's rich. He he got born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Uh, not so much, folks. My parents had nothing. Never had nothing. I lived in that house that that when you walk by, it looked like a strong wind would blow it down. In fact. My buddy that moved into our house when I was in seventh grade, uh, he said he overheard his mom talking to her friends when they moved in. It looks like the house next door, a big strong wind might blow it over. I was in the house that when you're walking by, if someone's driving by that they didn't know you lived there, you just kept walking until they until they drove by, and then you went back in the house. So, uh, you know, and I had a great example of what, everything I didn't want to be when I, when I grew up and my dad. And uh, so, you know what? I just don't believe that there's no opportunity in America anymore. So anyway, but that's another subject. That's another subject. So uh, and I don't understand the apologies. Everybody's apologizing. You know what? The one thing, Trump, you know why everybody loves Trump? Because he says what's on his mind. He says what he believes and he says what he means. And sometimes sometimes he, he offends people, but he doesn't apologize for it. He doesn't apologize for it because he's not sorry. I'm sorry that it offends you, but it's the truth. Hey, you know what? Mexico's not sending over the. He didn't say that all all Mexicans are rapists and and criminals. He said that some, that the people that are sending over the border that there's a lot of them mixed in that we don't know who's coming over the border that we need to regulate that. But people hear what they want to hear. So let's talk about the squad. Rashida Tlaib and her had had her two weeks of being the most famous member of the congressional freshman squad. But step aside, Miss Palestine, because Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is back. AOC, best known for her Twitter account, took to her second favorite social media platform this week, Instagram Live, to talk about how millennials are better than any other generation in history. I think young people are more informed and dynamic than, than their predecessors. Um, I think that they are more sensitive in a positive way, in that they actually care about other people's experiences and lives. Um, but anyways, I think this new generation is is very profound and very strong and very brave because they're actually willing to go to the streets. How about that? Like, previous generations have just assumed that, that you know, government's got it. Let me tell you something. You are the government. Oh, she is smoking crack. The new generation is is brave enough to go to the streets and do a YouTube video. Hey, let me tell you, AOC, the previous generations fought and died for this country, for the freedom that you have to make yourself, make a fool out of yourself in front of the microphone, in front of the camera. You know, you have no idea what it took to make this country what it is and and what it took to you that you guys all think socialism is the way is the way that is the fair way to go and and you have no idea. You well, I'm 29 years old and I feel like I should uh, have something to do here and uh and uh it's disgusting. You know, it's 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 offensive to me to hear her talk about how smart the the generation of millennials are now because they're not. They weren't taught the same stuff that we were taught in school. And, and today's parents are afraid to talk to their kids because they're afraid their kids are going to get mad at them. My kids know I'm going to say what I'm going to say. And 
if you don't agree with me today, you will tomorrow. Another uh, stellar moment from AOC's live stream video, her admission that she couldn't enjoy August recess because of climate change. Even while I was on vacation, I woke up in the middle of the night at 3.30 in the morning um, just concerned about climate change. I am um, 29 years old. I really struggle sometimes with the idea of how to be a policymaker and potentially have a family in the time of climate change. And it really, like, freaks me out. And it can be really, really scary. Hey, well, AOC, you child, I wake up at 3 o'clock, 3 or 30 in the morning, and I already have a family. And I get up and I walk all the way downstairs and I open up the freezer and I grab me a drumstick and I gro- and I walk all the way back upstairs and get in bed. Oh, I unwrap it first. Then I get it back in bed and I eat the I eat all the chocolate off the top. Offer offer Don a bite. Sometimes she takes a bite and sometimes she doesn't. And uh then I eat the rest. The cone and the chocolate at the bottom of it. And then while I'm while I'm drifting back to sleep, I worry about what what this world is going to be like for my grandkids when I'm gone and idiots like you are running this country. Idiots like you and well Bernie Sanders will probably go before I am before I do, but all these all these idiots that are on the stage at the at the Democratic uh uh debates, all these idiots that want to push free everything for everybody. We got a free free healthcare and free college and free everything and uh no one should have to pay for anything. Maybe a free universal income. We're going to give everybody $1000 a month. How we're going to pay for that is because uh he has some kind of logical logical uh makes no sense explanation for it. And uh and I guess Democrats believe that believe that ridiculousness. I don't I I have I have issues for kid for people that don't have kids thinking they're going to bring kids in and wondering what kind of opportunity they're going to have when they get to be adults. I worry about my grandkids. What are they what's what are the jobs going to be for them? And I and I assume as technology's taken over all the industry that there will still be industry because there's certain things that technology can't do or they'll become computer programmers or they'll be building building these machines or something. I assume because American industry evolves. American industry evolves and it keeps evolving and the brain keeps inventing and it'll and it'll go on. So I put my I put my trust in the guy upstairs that there's a plan here or uh or else he's gonna send forty days and forty nights of some rain and start over. Who knows? So uh <clears throat> I I have to imagine there's a lot of things going on that He's not happy with, um, and I and I hope that the leadership in this country gets it right and turns it around. So we've had a week off of Rashida Tlaib, but Elon Omar is still in the news, and for once, it's not because she hates America or Israel. No, it's another fascinating chapter in the personal life of Elon Omar, whose real name is Elon Nur Syed Elmi. So just remember, I'll just keep referring to her as Omar because that's how you remember her, but. Her real name is Elon Nur Syed Elmi. 
<clears throat> changed her name to uh, to lie her way into this country. And for the life of me, I don't know why nobody's pushing that. Why nobody's prosecuting her, asking her to step down um, for that or or a, a, a myriad of other things that she did that would make a, a Republican uh, congressman resign. A Washington, D.C. mom says her political consultant husband left her for Congressman Omar, according to a bombshell divorce filing obtained by the New York Post. How long ago did this happen? This week, Dr. Beth Minette says her cheating spouse, Tim Minette, told her in April that he was having an affair with Elon Omar, that, even, that he even made a shocking declaration of love for the Minnesota congresswoman before he ditched her. The filing submitted in a D.C. Superior Court on Tuesday says the parties physically separated on or about April 7, 2019, when the defendant told the plaintiff that he was romantically involved and in love with another woman, Elon Omar. Defendant met Rep. Representative Omar while working for her, although devastated by the betrayal and deceit that preceded his abrupt declaration, plaintiff told defendant that she loved him and was willing to fight for the marriage. Defendant, however, told her that the defendant, the husband, told her that that was not an option for him and moved out the next day. The story doesn't end there. <clears throat> Get ready for this next part. According to the Federal Election Commission uh, data, Omar's 2018 campaign sport spent more than 62000 on fundraising consulting services provided by Minette's company, East Street Group. The East Street Group. I thought that was the... The band that backs up Bruce Springsteen. Okay. Oh, that was E Street Band. Okay. Her 2020 re-election campaign has spent another 160000 on his services so far this year. Hmm. 62000 for her election. Now, the re-election, which is still a year and two months away, already spent 160000 And apparently, she's having an affair with him. Less than one week after Minette disclosed the affair... Omar's re-election campaign began paying for his travel to the tune of another 20000 She is seeking primary custody of their son because Minette's extensive travel with Omar, which she believes is personal, not work-related, leaves him little time to be a father. Peter Flaherty of the National Legal and Policy Center was on Tucker this week and talked about his group's petition asking the Federal Election Commission to file a complaint. I mean, every time you, you press a little bit into her personal life, you can't get a straight answer. There seems to be quite a bit of deception. That may not even be her real name. We, she may have married her brother. Oh. You have this. Has she shed any light on this at all? Has she responded to questions, your questions? about? Well, I understand today that she denied everything. And that was curious to us because the violations about reporting the travel, they are straightforward, unambiguous uh, violations, and any election law expert would tell you that. Now, the more serious matter of whether uh, she was having an affair with Tim Minette and used campaign uh, funds to facilitate his traveling around the country with her, well, we can't state that we know that conclusively, but we're saying that there's enough circumstantial evidence for the FEC to launch an investigation, and yeah. we hope they do. Yeah, so let's see. She's having she's having an affair on the husband that she married after she divorced him, not legally because they weren't legally legally married, but at, so she can marry her brother, her biological brother. Of course, they have different last names because she came in, she changed her last name to get into the country illegally, 
as part of the Omar family. Then she, then she married her biological brother so she could get him into the country illegally. And then she's a member of. Uh, then she's trying to to uh, travel to Israel to be part of an anti-Israel group. And uh, and none of this stuff is is a problem. No one's doing an investigation. No one's asking her to step down because that would be racism. Just like uh, the curious uh, the curious uh, birth certificate that has been been electronically um, altered of uh, Barack Hussein Obama. I don't know. Anyway, I got uh, 30 seconds left. The woman who uh, no one asked to run for president finally dropped out. Kirsten Gillibrand of New York. Uh, pulled at zero for weeks. She ran her campaign fund from ten ten million dollars down to eight hundred eight hundred. She made a her uh, her announcement on Twitter this week. Hey everyone, I wanted you to hear it from me first. That after more than eight incredible months, I'm ending my presidential campaign. I know this isn't the result we wanted. We wanted to win this race, but it's important to know when it's not your time, and to know how you can best serve your community and country. I believe I can best serve by helping to unite us to beat Donald Trump in 2020. Apparently she got 12 likes on that post on Twitter. Hey, anyway, I'm all out of time for this episode of The Main Event. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. Thanks for listening to The Main Event. I'll be back again with you next week. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, California DRE ID number 1012658, Arizona MLO license number 0926439, branch NMLS ID number 1841782, Summit Funding Incorporated, NMLS ID number 3199, Arizona license number 0925837, Equal Housing Opportunity.